Why seek you the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. He had told them all of this. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen cloths laid by themselves, and departed wondering in himself at that which had come to pass. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. I don't know exactly what that is. I think roughly seven miles, right? I'm not, I'm not up to horse racing terms when they count furlongs. About seven miles, I believe. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and in word. That's how Jesus was known, mighty in deed and in word. Before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all of this, Today is the third day since these things were done. It just happened. Yea, a certain woman also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. Then he said unto them, this is Jesus talking. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh into the village, whether they went, and he made, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went, with, he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he, gave, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened the scriptures to us? Back in verse 27, it says this, And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures and things concerning himself. You guys, what books of the Bible did Moses write? The first five. The first five. Jesus walked with these guys and showed them from the very beginning of the Bible how he was woven in and out of scripture. Right? We talk about the gospel, we just think about what Jesus just did on the cross for us. But he spent time and talked with these guys about everything in the Bible that pointed to Jesus. Whew. Could you imagine that conversation? 
I don't know how he did it in seven miles. But being able to go through the Bible and see that Jesus was there all along, that Jesus has been involved in the scripture all along, and therefore the gospel is the entire word of God. There is no separating the Old Testament and New Testament when it comes to believing in Jesus, right? The New Testament just simply starts when God picks back up on the scene and Jesus is here. But with Jesus, who's been here from the beginning, who was slain from the foundations of the world, the gospel is the entire word of God. It has to be, or why would he start at the very beginning and show them all the scriptures that talked about himself? <laughs> preaching the word, preaching Jesus is not just something in the New Testament. Jesus is written throughout the history of the Bibles. Why do you think Paul was so convincing to people? Paul was a student of the Old Testament. Right before his conversion, that was part of what his schooling had been, was to learn the Old Testament. So imagine the revelation when Jesus shows up to him and says, that guy that you've been studying and learning about, that's me. All of those things you know about in the Old Testament, that is me. That word of God that you know, that is me. How, how amazing of a revelation is that for Paul? A brand new light shed on all the things that he had known. And now he could see how all of it pointed to Jesus. Go to Acts 8 for me. Again, we're talking about going into the world and preaching the gospel. And I think it's important that we understand what the gospel is. Acts 8, starting in verse 5 says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. If you guys go back to what we just talked about, the Great Commission, this is exactly what Jesus said what happened when they preached the word. When they preached the gospel, when they preached the word, when they preached Jesus, he would show up confirming with signs following. It's exactly what's going on with Philip. Skip on down to verse 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Verse 26, and an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south into the way that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of the great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. And Philip ran hither to them and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand thou what thou reads? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. He's reading the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb dumb before the shearer. So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare this generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh this prophet, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, 
Here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believe with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What book were they reading? Isaiah. They were reading the Old Testament. Jesus is written all throughout this book. And what did it lead him to? To giving his life to Jesus. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded, verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at a different city, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. One of the things I really like about this story is the eunuch didn't start questioning things, right? This guy just disappears out of his way, and he just goes on his way rejoicing, right? You don't have to understand the miracle that just happened. Just go rejoice. You don't have to understand every little thing and how everything works. This eunuch just saw a guy disappear, and he's like, I don't care. Jesus is the Lord of my life. I'm going to go on rejoicing. Guys, that's what the gospel does to people. And he showed him Jesus in the Old Testament. You guys, uh, I, I, I love young people. I used to be one. I really do love them. But one of the biggest disservices that we have is the prince of the Bible that only have the New Testament. Right? And we get people that just focus on just the New Testament. There's translations that just cover the New Testament. Don't ever let that be the only thing that you're reading. Because we see these guys preaching Jesus out of the Old Testament. You're missing a whole bunch if you're just stuck in the New Testament. Now, the New Testament is really good. And let's be real, it's shorter, so a lot of us like to read it. Right? Oh, I read the whole New Testament last month. What about the old one? Eh, it's long. Right? So we spend a lot of time in the New Testament, but don't forsake the Old Testament. The children of Israel will types in shadows for us. And then these guys were getting people saved just out of the Old Testament. They were able to show people the word of God, and that's what's important. They used what word of God that they had. Thank goodness that we have the entire book. But these guys were able to show Jesus, to preach the gospel, to preach the word of God using the Old Testament. Something that we should try to do as well. I'm not saying avoid scriptures that apply when you're witnessing to somebody. That's not what I'm saying. But what if we were such students of the word that we could see Jesus woven in and out? That we could point out to people, look how far back they talked about Jesus and longed for a Messiah. And then he shows up and fulfills all of the prophecies about him. Not one of them failed. You guys, some of the biggest evidence that we have that Jesus is real and Jesus is our Savior is what was said in the Old Testament. So don't hide from it. <laughs> in both of these cases, uh, what did preaching the word look like? with both of these guys. And, and when we talk about going out, when you go out to preach the gospel, it's not always gonna look the same every day, right? When we first pick up Philip's story, he's preaching to crowds and people are coming to see him because of the miracles that are being done. And then the next day or a different day, I don't know how long in between, but God says, hey, spirit witnesses to him to go preach to one guy, to go speak to one guy, to go catch up to this chariot, right? Sometimes I feel like the church wants one specific way on how to reach people. If we just have one big gathering, or if I just go to the spectrum and I pray for God to show me one article of clothing that I can grab onto, right? We get stuck in these different ways that we think that's the only way that it can work. But even with Philip, God used different ways to preach the gospel and to reach people. So don't pigeonhole yourself into thinking that God's only going to use you in one way to witness to people. Because we're about to read some stories about Jesus where he, wasn't, he would just walk it around and people came to him. 
That day wasn't the one that he planned to go witness to 5,000 people. He was trying to just get away and chill out. But you always have to be ready. What do we read? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. I'll remind you of this. And we'll kind of go this direction. 1 Corinthians 2 again. It's Paul and he says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In verse 4 he says this, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing word of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And what do we see, Philip? The people with one accord gave heed unto those things that Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. You guys, these guys are doing exactly and living out what Jesus called them to do at the end of Mark when he said, go to all the world and preach the gospel. He told them what signs would follow. And in verse 20 of Mark 16, it shows that these guys went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Guys, when we go into the world and preach the gospel, we're supposed to look like this. We go speak the word and God's there, right? When we go out and preach the word of God, we preach Jesus to other people and Jesus is right there backing up with signs following. When you, when you get somebody saved, that is a huge miracle. Do you understand that? In one moment, a dead spirit is gone and replaced with the spirit of God. I, I, miracle, right? We, we take it so casual and nonchalant, but that is God. When you preach the word, and the sign follows. You tell them about Jesus, and they accept him, and the new spirit is put right inside of him instantly. That is a miracle. That means when you preach the word and that happens, that's God confirming his word with signs following. <laughs> when you preach the word, you can expect Jesus to confirm his word with the signs following. Uh, I think a lot of people these days have things mixed up. We're either mixed up on what the gospel actually is, right? I kind of touched on that the other week. We just preach the forgiveness of sins, which is huge and instrumental and key, but there's so much more we get. And if that's the only gospel that we're preaching, we're leaving a lot out of it. These guys went through every scripture. Jesus is a good example to see how to preach Jesus to people. He went through the Bible showing them. Now, what does that mean? That you're going to have to disciple people, right? You go back to the, to the account of Mark 16, you go back to the end of Matthew, and that's the scripture that we have, go into all the world and teach, or another one that says, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. And I think we've had speakers focus on making the disciples and speakers focus on going in the world to preach the gospel. But if you're preaching the gospel right, it's an all-the-time thing that requires somebody to become a student of the word and a disciple of God, right? The word of God changes people. So a lot of the issues that we have today because we've got it mixed up, whether we know what the gospel really is, what are we supposed to preach, when are the signs supposed to come? Sometimes we chase the signs without the word. Uh, and I made a note that says, if there are no signs, check to see if the word is being taught. You guys, I love this church. I don't know if you know, um, if you haven't been with us for a long period of time, there was a handful of years ago, uh, just by speaking the word, uh, and just by being at, at healing school and, and believing the word and confessing the word over their situation, a lady had uh, a breast cancer tumor grow out of her chest and fall out. That's a miracle, right? Just by simply preaching the word. Because you know Pastor Mike, he'll lay hands on people when God instructs him to. But one of the biggest things he does is build our faith in the word so that the signs follow. 
that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I think a lot of the times we get that mixed up. People both inside and outside of the church put their faith in a certain pastor or a certain uh, speaker or a certain uh, expert on a subject instead of the word of God. And that can be very dangerous. Non-believers uh, choose men's wisdom over God all the time. Uh, I don't know how many of you went and saw the movie uh, Unplanned the other day. Um, wow, right? And what an example of people in the world, even people in the church, uh, choosing the wisdom of men, which says, oh, it's not, a, it's not a real person yet. Men's wisdom saying it's not a real person yet, or that it's your body, your choice. That's what the wisdom of the world is trying to say. But can I set the record straight on abortion in God's word? God's word says this. Or, or men, men choose to say that it's your choice, and God says, do not murder he said, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's room, in your mother's womb. It's a nice room, too. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Here's one thing that always struck me about uh, the abortion, pro-life, pro-choice, whatever you want to look. In Matthew 1.18, it says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. You guys, in God's word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, God calls it a child the moment the Holy Ghost came on her. The moment she was pregnant, she was with child. For Christians, that should answer the debate right there. The moment that she was pregnant is the moment God considered it a child. Every heartbeat has a purpose in God. And to rob that child of a purpose is murder and a violation of God's word. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So that means abortion cannot be and is not okay with God. It should be the same for us. It should not be okay. Now here, <laughs> remember Jesus showed up and before he told him to go out, he kind of corrected him on a few things. That's why it's important to preach the whole gospel. Right? There's a lot of correction in the word of God. How many of you guys like being corrected? Yeah, right? Some of us, good, right? The mature ones are like, yes, because that means the Lord loves me. The Bible says who the Lord loves, he corrects. Jesus loved me. We just want to be corrected. Like, don't go out of your way to do things wrong. Right, but receive the correction. And sometimes the church tries to avoid correcting people and just preaching the nice parts of the Bible. Right, but if, if you're going out into the world and preaching the entire gospel and you have questions that come up like abortion or other things like that, you have to preach the whole gospel. The word of God is the power of God into salvation. And if you are cheating people out of the gospel of Christ, you're cheating them out of the power of God and you're cheating them out of the truth. The gospel, the word of God, is the deliverance from someone else's own self-deception. Guys, we know that in, in the last times, men will get worse and worse. Second Timothy says this, but evil men and seducers show wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You guys, don't be deceived. The word of God is the power of God. His word tells you his position on any issue that you can think of. If your opinion is in opposition to the word of God, you can't be operating in the power of God. When you oppose the word of God, you oppose God and his power. Good luck with that. Guys, we preach and teach the word because the word is the power of God. Preach the word, and the power of God is present to rescue, to make safe, to heal, to make sound. Again, Paul said this, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Guys, it is not about what it sounds like or if you use big words or if you use a nice bullet point thing to write 
Jesus, you know, on your sermon outline at the end of the, the end of the message. You know, I've, I've tried that with youth where you hand them something really creative and they end up drawing stuff on it instead, right? It's not about how pretty the words can sound or how great the messages sound or how many rhymes I can put in one sentence. It's about the word of God being taught. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Mark, back to Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then verse 20, and they went and the Lord confirmed the word with signs following. You guys, that is exactly what evangelism looks like. It's you preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus, not just some of it, but all of them, what he's done for them, what he's paid the price for. And Jesus shows up, confirming with signs following. Let's go to Mark 5. You guys will recognize a lot of of Mark 5. We'll start in verse 1. And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gar, those guys. And when he has come out of the ship, immediately there met out of him the tomb a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Verse 8, for he said unto them, come out of the man, this is Jesus, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about two thousand and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. Jesus did a miracle and they want him gone. (laughs) And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed of the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish. That's the same word, preach. He began to publish or preach in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all the men did marvel. Verse 21, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, Much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. You guys, this is one of those things where I always stop and ask, why were people coming to see Jesus? Right? What did Jesus do leading up to this? And this is those times where we can look at uh, Jesus spent daily, you could find him daily in the temple. These are times where Jesus was preaching in the temple, and then he would go out and actually do the work uh, that he was called to do. You guys, he lived it. We see time after time, Jesus and his disciples going to church. They're teaching in the synagogues. And what were they teaching? You have, you have record of Jesus reading the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament in the synagogues, right? And astonishing people with his knowledge and his wisdom. We see Jesus talking and teaching people the Bible and then signs following. Gosh, what a precursor to what he was going to commission us to do. Verse 22 
And behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Guys, this is a ruler of the synagogue. This is a guy that should be well-versed in the Old Testament. Verse 23, And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. And I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And, J- and I made the note, why did Jairus come? And it's clearly because he heard of the things of Jesus. He had been around. He was a ruler of the synagogue. He had been around and heard Jesus talk. He had heard Jesus talk about the Old Testament and preach. And he had seen God show up and, and confirm the word with signs following. He knew Jesus could help, so he came. And Jesus went with him, and many people followed and thronged him. You guys, people don't follow empty words. They follow a word with signs following. Right? If Jesus was telling them how good God was and that, uh, that God has uh, power to heal people and wanted his people well, and then he didn't do anything, these people would have just laughed at him. Right? These empty words wouldn't have had, had people thronging him to be around him, to be part of, of what he was doing. You guys know this story. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood, this is verse 25, would have 12 years and had suffered many things with the physicians and he spent all that she had and was nothing better but grew rather worse. When, when she had heard of Jesus, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. You guys know the, the rest of this story. Both the woman and Jairus' daughter were made whole. You guys, this is how Jesus preached the gospel. And he didn't go out that day intending to go to Jairus' house, right? He didn't go out that day uh, planning to walk through a crowd and have a woman randomly touch him and power to go out of him. That wasn't something that he was planning on for the day. But evangelism looks different every single day. Preaching the word of God may look different every single day. He had crowds around him here, but then when they get up to minister to Jairus' daughter, there was only a handful of them in the room, right? Don't. Don't put yourself in a box of what evangelism is going to look like you for, for you that day, right? It may be the person at Starbucks. It may be a crowd that comes up. You may get a chance to witness at a high school. Don't put yourself in a box trying to figure out how God is going to use you that day. Just be open to be used of your heavenly Father. Acts 19, real quick, guys. You guys, if that's how Jesus preached the gospel and we're called to do the work of Jesus, that's how our lives should look as well. Acts 19, starting in verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. You guys, this means Paul and the boys were doing their job. They were preaching the gospel and the word of God and it was causing a whole bunch of noise. And look at what Jesus was doing. Verse 11, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. They were there preaching the word and teaching the word, and God was there confirming it with signs following. Verse 12, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs of aprons, or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Guys, there's an order to the things of God, and, and when Jesus said, go into the world and preach, and then the signs will accompany the word, he didn't get those backwards. Right? So many times we want, we want to go chasing the sign without having the word or without having a base in the word. When you're standing in faith, we stand upon the word, right? Here's, here's a quick warning if we keep reading. This is what I want you to check out when you're trying to do things without the word of God. Verse 13 says this, Then certain of the vag- vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, And they called over the ones that had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, and the chief of the priest, which did so. 
These are, these are some religious guys too. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. You guys, I made this note. It said, you can't have the signs without the word. If you look just above it, they had spent several years preaching the word and had built up the people's faith so that these special miracles were happening, right? They had spent years doing what Jesus told them to do, to go and preach the gospel. And then what happens? And Jesus confirms the word with signs following. These guys tried to just jump it. These were guys that just wanted a piece of the, of, the, of, the super, of, the, of the show. They just wanted a piece of the experience. And what happened? The evil spirit overcame them. If you are walking and doing the things of God, the evil spirits cannot overtake you. You can't have the signs without the word, without the word there to be confirmed. Word first, signs follow. Don't get out of order. <laughs> Back to Mark 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You guys, give me five more minutes to do a practical breakdown of the scripture for us. Go ye. Guys, what this means is to pursue the journey on which you have started, to continue your journey. That is simply go ye. And what that means for us is to go into all the world is not just a one-time thing. When Jesus gets taken up, he sets us in motion. Jesus sets you in motion in that passage, and your job is to continue going. It's very similar to what Jesus told us he was here to do in Luke 19. In verse, in verse 10, it says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. You guys, this is the same idea. Jesus came to seek, and what that word seek means is to continue after, continue going after until you find it. Right? That's the same idea that he's giving us, the same commission that he's giving us of, of go into all the world. It's not just a, a one-time go. It's not go on one mission trip when you're, when you're 16 years old. It is a continual going. What does that mean? That everywhere you go, you're supposed to be going. Right? We're supposed to be doing the things of God everywhere that we go. Go ye also means this, to follow a person or to follow one, to become an adherent. I didn't know what that means, so I had to look that up. Adherent is a person who follows or upholds a leader, sticking to or clinging to that person. So just simply in the command to go, we see that we have a lifelong task assigned to us by Jesus to follow him and uphold him, to cling to him wherever we go. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. We already outlined what the gospel is. You guys, it's the entire word. It's the whole truth of God's word. All the benefits, the whole truth, all the truth, nothing but the truth from the beginning to the end. You go, part of, part of the revelation that people have in, in Christ is knowing who they are made to be like. We get that outlined at the beginning in Genesis. And we are called and shown that we are made in the image of God. And that is a freeing thing. That is something that somebody needs to understand when they first come to know Jesus. He made you new. Okay, what does that look like? You're called to be just like him. You're called to be Jesus here on this earth. What a huge statement, but you have to understand and share with them everything. That's part of being a disciple. Because the moment that you meet somebody, we're not going to have a seven-mile walk to expound the entire Bible to them. It may be over coffee, over the next couple years, where we can help them, you preach to them the gospel, get them saved, and then make disciples of them, like Matthew says, a continual process of going after these guys. So what is the action of preaching? To go and to preach, what does that mean? We saw it a little bit already, to, to proclaim, to publish, and to be a herald. And I'm like, I don't know what all of these words mean. So here's what herald is. 
It's a royal or official messenger, especially one representing a monarch in an ambassadorial role. Is that how you say that? Ambassadorial? You guys know the scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says we are ambassadors of Christ. That's exactly what this is. When we're, when we're going to preach, we're supposed to do what Jesus told us to do. And he gave us, because he has all power and authority has been given unto him, he says, go ye therefore. That means ambassador. That means you walk in all the power and authority that he has because he simply said, go because I have it and you represent me. We are Christ's ambassadors. It also means this, used to indicate or signal the coming of. You guys, we are here to preach the gospel, to indicate or to signal the second coming of Jesus. Guys, we're here to bring people into the family of God. Who are you signaling that to? We are the hope of Jesus to the world. By doing what Jesus has asked us to do, we'll help deliver others. The word of God does not change, but it changes people. The word of God is the power of God into salvation. The last part of the word preach is this, to publish, to proclaim or publish, and here's what I want you to catch, always with a suggestion of formality, gravity, which is heaviness or a weight, and authority, which must be listened to. You guys, when you go into the, into the world to preach the gospel, there's a formality to it. It doesn't mean you can't do it over coffee, but there's a formality when somebody stands up and has a grasp of the concepts. Can you imagine some of the things that Jesus shared with them? how their attention was just on Jesus when they were walking on that road to Emmaus? Why? Because he preached the word of God with a formality. He preached it with a heaviness, with a gravity, with a weight, that when the ways that he shared things, not in the cunningness of words like we saw Paul outline, but simply the truth of God's word, when he shared it and had a grasp of how to show Jesus throughout God's word, it caused them to have a reaction. Right? Every time that you preach the truth of God's word, it's going to give, cause the person hearing to have a reaction. They choose what that reaction is going to be. Right? But we're supposed to go with the formality. Right? A lot of the times we just want to pretend if we're just nice to people for a really long time, they're going to come to know Jesus. You guys, I think uh, showing love to people is huge. We're called to do that. But love isn't always just wishy-washy. Right? When you preach the gospel, there's truth in this word of God that hurts people and cuts people. Right? It changes the way people think. And a lot of the times when people have to be changed and transformed, that's not a comfortable thing. So you don't always have to be eggshelling and walking on, you know, walking on your toes trying to tiptoe around the truth of God's word. God's word supports itself. And when you challenge people with the truth of God's word, it's going to cause a reaction in them. Now that reaction is up to them. Now you're supposed to speak the truth in love. Now I'm not saying don't do that. But if you are speaking love and compromising the truth, you've done no good. Speaking the truth in love. The truth of the word is not a, was not a casual thing to Jesus. He made a lot of people mad simply by speaking the word. He studied it, he learned it, so he could preach it with authority that warrants a response. When he told us to go into the world, or he told the guys in Mark 16 to go into the world, they went. Right When he commissioned them, they went. Jesus taught and preached with a formality, with an authority. And a lot of that had to do because he would preach the word and the signs would follow. You guys, empty words are not going to bring this generation back to Christ. It's going to be a daily walk of evangelism, a daily walk of discipleship, where you walk out the life of Christ and show them the love of Christ daily. 
We have, we have very smart young people who are done with just words, right? We like to, as parents sometimes, I remember my parents saying this, do as I say, not as I do. I don't know if I fell for it back then, but I know kids these days don't do it. You know, we have, uh, you may say a wrong thing or a TV show may say the word stupid. And I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, and stupid is a bad word. But if I say stupid, guess who's going to say it the next day? My eight-year-old and my five-year-old. Guys, don't say that. That's a bad word. But, Daddy, you said it. Well, do as I say, not as I do. Right? Like, the younger generation is done with that. You have to be someone like Jesus that lives it out, that walks in it with authority, and have a ready defense. It's going to look different every day. Philip ministered to crowds, to one-on-one. People came to Jesus. He went to other people. What does that mean? Back to 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. You guys know the word and be ready. Whether it's one-on-one, whether it's crowds, whether it's over the phone, whether it's in person. John 14.12 says this. Very verily I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. It's all really good stuff. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Guys, the, the world is right outside your front door, right outside this church door. It's everywhere that you go every single day. That is you going into the world. It doesn't have to be a special missions trip. And I have a question that, that I always ask myself as well when it pertains to things like this, and it's, what are you waiting for? Right in Matthew 14, we don't have to go there, but it's Jesus walking on the water, right? And Jesus came walking on the water in the middle of the storm. Remember, he sent them away ahead of him. And then if you, if you read the verse above, it says that the ship was just getting tossed and messed all up in the wind and the storm. And then Jesus comes cruising by, right? And, and I think of, of this story when I'm thinking, what am I waiting for, right? What are we waiting for? Because in this story, we see Peter standing there and he's, He's like, man, Jesus, if, if that's you, tell me to go. Tell me to come to you, Jesus. And Jesus says, come. Right? Jesus has already told us to go into the world. So there's no waiting. There's no hesitation that you have to have. Jesus already told us to go into the world. So when you walk outside and somebody needs Jesus, do it. Right? That's you doing the word of God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus tells Peter to come out onto the water, and Peter goes. And what I love, one of the things, you could preach the story at every sermon, and it would be a different a different angle that you could come from, right? But in this moment, the wind and the waves are still going crazy. Jesus didn't say, wait, 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 hold on, Peter, let me fix it. Calm, right? Remember when they woke him up out of the boat before? And we're like, Jesus, it's, it's crazy out here. And he's like, I'm asleep, what's up? Do something about it. And they're like, ah, ah. he's like, be still, right? Like, I just imagine that's how Jesus talks, be still, right? Like, super cool. If you're speaking to like the waves and stuff, that's how you would have to do it for sure. He tells the, the wind to be still. But in this case, he didn't, even, he, didn't, he didn't need to stop the wind and the waves because he gave Peter authority, just like he gave us authority to go. So what are you waiting for? Guys, if we sit and wait for the circumstances of our lives to perfectly line up before we share Jesus with somebody, we're all going to be sitting here for a long time. Because I know you're thinking about some bills that are on the table. I know you're thinking about how much daycare costs. I know you're thinking about the guy that you hope God has for you somewhere in the future, right? Like all the things that we think about. And if you're waiting for the perfect circumstance, it's never going to be there. But Jesus has overcome the circumstances and called you out on top of the waves with him. So what do they do? 
Peter walks out, you know the story, and guess when the wind stopped? When the waves stopped? When they got back on the boat. During the whole walking back and forth and his, his faith battle sinking up and down, Jesus didn't calm the storm before he called them out. Guys, it's a storm out there. Jesus isn't going to calm the storm. He said perilous times will come. He said the world will get worse and worse and men will get worse and worse. It is a storm of brewing. It's not going to always be pretty, but we are called to go. Peter needed one command from Jesus, and Jesus said, come. What is our command from Jesus? He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You guys, go and preach the word of God. Don't let anything else get in the way. You guys remember when Jesus uh, was talking to some fellas in Luke 9, and he said this. He said, come and follow me. And they said, oh, but first let me bury my dad. Let me go and bury my dad. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead, but go and preach. Guys, don't make excuses. If you didn't know before tonight that your commission was to go in the world and preach the gospel, now there's no excuses, right? The things of this world can wait. When you put God first, all those other things line up. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for such a simple verse where you've told us to go and to preach the gospel to all the world. God, help us to be bold enough to do that, to put distractions and cares of this world aside, to simply choose to follow what you've called us to do, and that's to go into the world and preach the gospel. God, we thank you that where we go and we talk about your word, where we share your word, your character, and your nature, that you are always with us, and you show up confirming your word with signs following God, we purpose not to try to manufacture anything. We don't have to try to manufacture signs. When we simply preach your word and believe in your word and speak your word into people's lives, you confirm it with signs following. God, we'll do our part, and we know you will always do yours. Thank you for using us, Father. Thank you for letting us be part of your family. It's an honor and a privilege to be your hands and feet here. We thank you for this night. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, Pastor Mike will be back on Sunday. Or I lied. Keith Hershey's here on Sunday morning and night. We love you. Have a great week. We'll storm a brewing. It's not going to always be pretty, but we are called to go. Peter needed one command from Jesus, and Jesus said, come. What is our command from Jesus? He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You guys, go and preach the word of God. Don't let anything else get in the way. You guys remember when Jesus uh, was talking to some fellas in Luke 9, and he said this. He said, come and follow me. And they said, oh, but first let me bury my dad. Let me go and bury my dad. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead, but go and preach. Guys, don't make excuses. If you didn't know before tonight that your commission was to go in the world and preach the gospel, now there's no excuses, right? The things of this world can wait. When you put God first, all those other things line up. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for such a simple verse where you've told us to go and to preach the gospel to all the world. God, help us to be bold enough to do that, to put distractions and cares of this world aside, to simply choose to follow what you've called us to do, and that's to go into the world and preach the gospel. God, we thank you that where we go and we talk about your word, where we share your word, your character, and your nature, that you are always with us, and you show up confirming your word with signs following. God, we purpose not to try to manufacture anything. We don't have to try to manufacture signs. When we simply preach your word and believe in your word and speak your word into people's lives, you confirm it with signs following. 
God, we'll do our part, and we know you will always do yours. Thank you for using us, Father. Thank you for letting us be part of your family. It's an honor and a privilege to be your hands and feet here. We thank you for this night. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, Pastor Mike will be back on Sunday. Or I lied. Keith Hershey's here on Sunday morning and night. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see